All right, welcome to Making the Argument. Before we get started, I have a very important announcement. We have a brand new deal with GoodRanchers.com. That's right. If you go into GoodRanchers and you use promo code Nick and you sign up for one of their subscriptions, you're not only going to get $15 off, but do you remember the old deal where you got two pounds of ground beef with each order? Well, we just upped the game. That's right. You can choose top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, or bacon now. Every single order you get on that subscription is going to come with free. Top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, or bacon. You get to choose which one if you use promo code Nick. And again, $15 off on top of that. That's a savings of $480 in meat by signing up for one of those subscriptions. Not to mention the fact that if you are looking for a gift for someone that is impossible to shop for, you can go on to GoodRanchers.com and get one of their brand new gift boxes. Now, this is a limited time only offer. It's part of their overall Black Friday special. So go on to GoodRanchers.com to get more details. Sign up for promo code Nick and to get that deal and let's get on with the show. Welcome to this episode of Making the Argument with Nick Freitas. Let me tell you if you were disappointed last week on for last Thursday's episode that there was not a single Freitas on the show. It was just Lydia and Christian and I. Let me tell you we've got a surprise. We don't return with just two Freitas's. We return with <laughs> three because today we have Luke Freitas here on the show with us who is an expert on today's topic and it's going to be a lot of fun. I am very excited about this topic because I've done a lot of study in my career on a guy named Mr. Beast. Now, you may know who Mr. Beast is, and you may think, well, you know, I've never enjoyed a single one of his videos. It's silly. It's kind of out there. But let me tell you, he's a video strategist. He's the best in the game, and he's great. And just recently, uh, there was a story that came out about one of Mr. Beast's videos where he cured a 1,000 people's blindness through cataract surgery. And the left definitely had a reaction to this on Twitter. I don't want to blow this out of proportion and say that it was the entire left who, uh, you know, had some lashback against this. It was mainly on Twitter, but there were some really interesting conversations that came up from this. And so we want to talk about the that today because I think there are two really, really interesting things that we can take away from this. One, I think Nick is going to be able to help us make the argument on a topic that we get uh, put in the crosshairs about quite often. And then we're going to be able to make the case for entrepreneur, entrepreneurship and what Mr. Beast is doing through his philanthropy and different projects and his videos. And so I think we're going to answer some really good questions here that are going to equip you to have make the argument on a few different things. And so we're going to have a good time. So Luke, thank you for joining us. Nick is here down in Richmond again. And Lydia and Christian and Tina are here too. So Lydia, would you like to start us off? Absolutely. I'm really excited for today's topic because I couldn't believe how people responded to this. Curing a thousand people with blindness is a huge task and I was so impressed when Mr. Beast did it. He's only 24, he has a lot of money, and he's sworn that he's going to give all of it away before he dies. So he ranks pretty high in my book. He seems like a good person, but not everyone agrees with my assessment. So we're going to look at a lot of the disagreement and the disapproval and even some people who call it demonic. So let's hop right into it. Now, if you haven't seen the video, we are going to play a clip right now from it. So let's go ahead and do that. Going to other places around the world. Because unfortunately, nearly half the population with curable blindness doesn't have access to this surgery. So I wanted to provide this to as many people as possible.
Now, if you weren't able to watch that and you were listening on audio, the camera crew was going all around the globe where they've helped cure people's blindness in various countries and showing all the thousand people uh, that they have been able to cure through this process. Um, but Christian, I know that you did quite a bit of research to figure out what the left was saying in opposition to this. Uh, it seems kind of crazy. Can you walk us through that? Yeah, there's, I mean, if you go on Twitter, by the way, some advice, don't go on Twitter and type the words Mr. Beast right now. You're just going to find stuff that is just utterly cringe inducing. Um, <laughs> speaking of which, I found some stuff. Um, here's one from a person uh, uh, named Kendall Brown. I love their their tagline on, on Twitter. Healthcare advocate fighting to defeat Republican supermajorities because apparently that's far more important than curing blindness. Um Quaker, I live for, you know, I'm actually going to question Dolly that Parton. part. She loves Dolly Parton. I'm not going to I live for books, for plants, and Dolly Parton. Um, okay, so here's what this this uh, um, woman has to say. And by the way, I am assuming her pronouns. Um, she doesn't give them to us, which I'm actually kind of surprised about. Shocking. Um, she says, if Mr. Beast truly wanted to do something good and truly cares about disabled people, he wouldn't monetize their suffering and make them tap dance on video just so he can slap it up on YouTube. I'm tired of having to perform gratitude for wealthy people just to stay alive. Um, you know, this is actually probably one of the more sane comments that I've been seeing from the insane left when it comes to this topic. Um, there's actually, I can't, actually, I can believe it. Um, BuzzFeed actually came out with an article and we actually have this up on screen too. Get this. This article is explaining apparently the controversy surrounding this video. Controversy surrounding this video. And they go on to say another huge problem. Oh, by the way, one of their previous problems was is that he likes Elon Musk too much and he gives out Teslas in his videos. And Elon Musk is obviously a right-wing bigot fascist. Absolutely. So therefore, he's, he's, you know, in cahoots with him. Um, here's another huge problem. Mr. Beast's videos seem to regard disability as something that needs to be solved. He doesn't say in the video or in any of his subsequent public statements whether he consulted with the video subjects about how they felt to have their disability treated as a problem. That's something that's been argued over in the days since the video was uploaded. Luke, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, my question is, is how many blind people have they actually cured? Oh, my goodness. That's a great question. Mental. Nick, do you know how many b blind people they've cured? Uh, no, I'm, I'm willing to bet it's the, the answer is zero because you, you need to understand with a lot of these advocates or activists or whatnot, th their mission in life is, is not to actually go and you know, cure the individual elements of people that are suffering. It's about to engage in political advocacy because what they're going to do is restructure society and the economy and everything else. And once they have control and power, uh, then they'll be able to get to, you know, these, these, these other things like actually helping people, um, you know, with, with illnesses or with disabilities that they, they might like some, some relief from or some cures for. Uh, but, but it's always the same thing. It's, it's the fact that anybody's dealing with anything is, is part of a larger narrative that is going to justify the activist power. And once they have it, then they can correct all of these social ills. But the, the power always has to come first. And, and lo and behold, uh, when these people do get power, uh, it's amazing how the the social, how, how amazing how the the medical concerns, the social ills, the whatever it may be, um, those never seem to get addressed uh, to to the degree that they promised they would if you just handed over all the the power and money first.
Oh, I think it's even worse than that, Nick. And and to Luke's point, Luke Luke brought up a interesting question, one that I think should be asked of anybody on the left when they complain about somebody else helping somebody else with their own time and money, which is, well, what have you done? Um, but no, the left is actually going further than that. The new progressive message on this is uh, blindness should not be cured. It's it's not even just we're upset that apparently this rich guy is helping people because, you know, how dare he use his own time and money to voluntarily help somebody without having to physically take money from anybody else. Mr. Beast doesn't he's not the state, right? He's not going up to your door with a gun, stealing money from you. They, sure. they want to affirm disability. Yeah. No. And, they, and, and affirming the, disability is to keep you in disability. That's the most ridiculous part about this is that they're not even just saying the typical left wing stuff. They're going even further and saying they're questioning whether or not we should even be helping people in the first place. Right. Yeah, so I think what's really interesting to me here is that we see this intersection of a hatred of capitalism and this strange desire to help people maintain their victimhood status by keeping them disabled. And I don't think that these activists spoke to any of these people who were helped by Mr. Beast. If they had, they might sing a different tune. But Nick, what do you think we should say to people who look at us and say, you know what, I think that mis what Mr. Beast did was wrong. How do you defend this? The American healthcare system is so riddled with issues. He shouldn't have to do this. How can we quickly come back to that? What's a good 30,000 foot view of what we can say? Well, why is the problem? So so let, let's just say we concede for a moment that we have problems within our healthcare system and that there's problems all over the world. Sure, go ahead. Would we, I, I think it's on them to actually explain to us why it's a bad thing that somebody with, with money would, would use that money in such a way as to help people that want help. And, and that's, that's the part where, again, part of the problem that we, we run into with a lot of the arguments that we have nowadays goes back to the point Christian was making, right? It's that they're making arguments that seem so absurd on their face that we haven't even thought of trying to, to you know, make, make arguments to counter it. Like guy spends own money to help somebody see, right? We, we used to just consider, oh, this is a universal good, right? This is, this is, a, this is a net positive, no matter how you, you look at it, no pun intended. But now all of a sudden, well, no, no, that isn't. And it's not just because he used his own money or, or because, well, this person shouldn't have you know, been in this position in the first place. Now, as Christian pointed out, now the argument is as absurd as, well, gosh, how do you know they wanted to see? Well, I presume because they showed up and actually elected to get the procedure. Last time I checked, he didn't tie anyone down and force them to get cataract surgery. But, you know, th this all just seems so obvious. But then they will use it to jump into the next narrative. It's like, well, yes, perhaps the only reason why they consented to it is because they live in a society that treats them so badly about not being able to see that they feel pressured and to be able to get such a And, and this, this is where you get to the point. Where, where you you reach a, a level of, uh, again, a level of absurdity that is difficult to create an argument around because it just seems so like prima facie ridiculous. Um, and, and, and again, I think part of it is asking questions, asking questions back to them, because at this point, you have to open them up within their own worldview. And, and that's specifically a worldview that states that either he shouldn't have done anything or he shouldn't be in a position to do anything because capitalism is bad. And, and they never have to answer any of these questions about, okay, well, how would you actually solve this problem? And by the way, the solution that you're offering, where has it been tried before? Has it ever worked? Has it ever produced the sort of results that you want? And if the answer is no, or if we're being honest, what, what they really want in many cases is actually produced the exact opposite effect of what they're promising. Um, another question that we like to ask people is, okay, let's say that you were able to get the sort of system that you wanted and it didn't work. 
would you would you be the one to come back and say, oh, that was a bad system. We should mm -hmm. we should try something else. Or would you double down? And, and we had a perfect example of this in the General Assembly. Somebody kept they, they kept trying to sell us on a particular policy that we knew was going to cause prices to skyrocket. It was skyrocket. It was going to be problematic. And finally, one of my colleagues asked the patron of the bill. They said, OK, you keep saying you used to say that we needed to do this because it was the right thing to do. It was the just thing to do. Now you're saying that we're actually going to save money if we do it the way that you want. Here's my question. If we do it the way you want and it actually caused prices to go up the way that we're predicting, will you come back next year and carry a bill to, to eliminate what we've done? And his response is, well, I, I think that's a ridiculous question. No, because then no, he'll need it, more money. <laughs> no, what, what, it, what it was is that they don't want to be held accountable for the actual results of their actions. Hmm. Right. They, they want to be able to have they want to be able to display all the virtue of someone that wants good things without actually knowing or understanding or doing the difficult work or even personally sacrificing to any real significant degree to make the positive outcomes that they, they dream about and talk about a reality. And then the moment you say, OK, great, let's just assume we did exactly what you wanted to do. If it doesn't work, will you take responsibility for that, acknowledge it and then change course of action? And they get very offended by this. And, and uh, for me, that's one of the, the telltale signs that you don't really mean it. And so I, I think that people need to understand when somebody is, you know, when somebody is confronting them with an argument that just seems so absurd, like, should we help somebody or should someone use their own resources to help somebody? Nick. I think the question that we have to go back is, is like, okay, well, I, I think first things first, we should probably leave that up to the person that is potentially getting the help. Wouldn't you agree? Or, or are you actually advocating preventing Mr. Beast from being able to help somebody? Are you actually advocating preventing somebody who wants the help Mr. Beast is offering from being able to get that help? Are, are you advocating that? No. Okay, well then what, what's your beef? You know, but you, you have to ask these questions to open them up within their own presuppositions. Otherwise, what they're going to do is just continue to jump from place to place and just constantly hold themselves in this position of, because I have nice intentions, therefore the policies I'm advocating for are just. When, when in reality, a lot of what the advocating for when you break it down has produced some of the worst results possible. Nick, I have a question for you. If you had to guess where Nina Turner lands on this topic, this discussion out in the left field or in the moderately reasonable arena, where would you guess? I, I think she did a tweet on it and I'm, and I'm willing to bet it was somewhere in the realm of, if I remember it correctly, I think it was somewhere in the realm of, you know, we, we shouldn't live in a world where you know, we, we have to depend on billionaires or millionaires or whatever to, to help people. Um, that was very I, I mean, close. I, it I, was I, very <laughs> close. Here, I'm going to read yeah. it off here. People shouldn't have to rely on rich YouTubers to receive medical treatment. Mm. Let me. So that, that's cute. So here's my question. Who should they have to rely on? Well, let's yeah, back to Luke's let, question, let, too. How let, many and, has and she here's healed? A, here's a, here's let, a question. Could, could any of these people rely on Nina Turner to do it? Right. <laughs> Yeah, how, like Luke said, how, how many blind people has she cured? Let me move on to two things here, and then we're going to get to the heart of why we're having this discussion. Here's a tweet directly from Mr. Beast. Twitter, rich people should help others with their money. Me, okay, I'll use my money to help people, and I promise to give away all of my money before I die, every single penny. Twitter, right. Mr. Beast is bad. Yeah, and he tweeted about this, and it's got over seven hundred thousand likes. Now, well, that's he's he's failing to understand that the idea of a rich person is what they find insulting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean that, that's the yes. verse that they find insulting in, in their perfect world, be, because they they put equality on this pedestal, and and the idea that someone would be able to you know to to be able to get ahead and and amass wealth 
is in and of itself, like they automatically attribute that with having either gamed the system or conducted themselves in some way that was nefarious or mean spirited. Um, you know, and, and it, what's amazing is liberals managed to do this while, uh, you know, some of them att- attaining massive amounts of wealth themselves. Um, sure. But, but I don't see them going and voluntarily giving it up. Right. So, Nick, there's a, um, a, a um, speech that I was telling Hamilton about today, actually, that is somewhat related to this. The last um, questions for the prime minister that Margaret Thatcher ever answered um, during her tenure in office in 1992, um, she stood up there and basically defended her record of being in office for over a decade. And one of the questions that the Labor Party, um, that, that one of the Labor Party members presented to her was very similar to the point that you made about, well, Ultimately, the problem that these people have with somebody like Mr. Beast is the fact that he's wealthy to begin with, not what he's doing with it. They, they want him to be poor. And, and so the question that was presented to Thatcher was by this labor guy, you know, there's a lot that you've accomplished. But, you know, w- would you not take responsibility for the fact that the income gap, the, the gap between the rich and poor has increased while you were in office? Isn't that something to be ashamed of? And then she countered and said, you know, Mr. Speaker, everybody in this country has gotten richer under my tenure as prime minister. What the opposition is complaining about is the fact that some groups of people got more richer than others, but they're silent about the fact that everybody got richer. You know what, Mr. Speaker? What they are advocating for implicitly is that they would rather the poor be poor so long as the rich were less rich. And then she concluded with, you do not make wealth that way. And then another member got up and was like, well, I detest every one of her policies. And then she countered with, and I detest every one of your socialist policies that people in Eastern Europe have had to suffer under for the last 50 years. <laughs> and, and it's just incredible. Here's the amazing part is that Again, when they when they argue from this egalitarian position, it's this idea that equality is, is the chief virtue or the chief social ethic. And, and the problem with thinking of that way is that, okay, w- what are the logical outworkings of that thought process? Or, or Karl Marx put it this way, from each according to, um, or, or to each according to their needs, from each according to their ability. And that sounds very nice until you start to look at the incentive structure that's created in such a world is not to have abilities, but needs. Because if it's to each according to needs, well, the more needs you have, the more that you acquire, the more that you get. If it's from your abilities, well, then now we're demanding more of you you without you being able to actually get anything if your needs aren't high. So we've created this perverse incentive structure within society. And that's what you see with, with this kind of hyper egalitarianism. And, and, and we all understand this because if, if you really work this out to its logical conclusion, what we would essentially be saying is that if I handed 10 people um, a, a brush and paints and one person just created something like absolutely beautiful, and then there was somebody like me on the other side of the spectrum that created a couple of stick figures, right? It, it would be this idea that, well, how unjust is it that, you know, Nick just created stick figures while this other person has, you know, a, a beautiful piece of art, which is in high demand. We could do the same thing with music. If, if we handed everyone an instrument and one person just truly excelled in a way that was beautiful and everyone really appreciated their capabilities, well, as one person, you know, basically couldn't do anything with it, like me. 
would, would we then come back and say, well, this is just so unjust that this person is able to make beautiful music with it, whereas this person is not. And if we just automatically came to the conclusion that what this really must mean is that this person that's created beautiful music or painted the beautiful picture, they somehow were able to do it by nefarious means and by taking advantage of the person that didn't draw the beautiful picture or didn't make the beautiful music. Right. right? No, we, we would automatically know that there in, in, in almost every single case, there would be something wrong with that reasoning. Well, it is the same way when we talk about the provision of goods and services within a marketplace, right? You, you, can, you can hand me the keys to a factory right now within an industry I know nothing about, and I'm not going to be able to produce with it the same things that somebody that just intuitively understands a particular industry or the marketing of it or the accounting associated with it or, or knows how to organize the various people together in order to be able to create something that creates wealth for others. And the reason why we know it creates wealth for others is because they voluntarily buy it. They voluntarily engage in exchange. And the real question within these, this hyper egalitarianism, this Marxist philosophy of life is, if you really think that equality is the chief ethic, then what you've essentially said is we don't want anyone to excel because the moment you excel, we're going to use that as an indication of immoral behavior or an immoral outcome. And, and what a pathetic, impoverished, horrible, dark place the world would be if we actually carry that out to its logical conclusion. And so much so that they even know it's not true because whenever they've attempted to do it in places like communist China or the Soviet Union, or they've attempted to do it on st smaller scales, here's what you end up seeing happen. You still have people that rise above and tend to excel, but one of two things ends up happening. They either get to work for the elite, the people with, and by the elite, I mean the people working within the political structure that get to use the power and the means of the state to compel the particular outcomes that they want, or those people are silenced, imprisoned, shut down, beaten, stolen from, or murdered for daring to go against the power and the will of the state. During my research earlier today, I ran across the Young Turks YouTube channel, and one might assume that the Young Turks are 100% of the time out in the left field, generally so. With this topic, though, on this topic of Mr. Beast, there were some things that they actually got right, uh, but one of the things they brought up was universal health care in our country and i want to play this clip for you right quick far at least yeah, he's not okay. i don't even know what his politics is and i don't want to know and i don't care he brought attention to this issue he is not a political youtuber but he brought attention to an issue that is desperately needs attention and it's not just about blindness guys our government does not have universal health care. We're the only developed nation that doesn't have it. And that is the problem. And 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 our system costs twice as much. If it didn't cost as much, we could actually cure blindness for all of those people where it is curable in the country right now, just like that. But our government is so brutal that it is choosing not to do what a YouTuber just did. They're leaving it to YouTubers to fix people's eyesight because our own representatives are scum. Nick, I find it fairly probable that everyone listening to the show, everyone sitting at this table at some point or another has been faced with the accusation that we want people to be blind because we are not in favor of universal health care. Help us make an argument against that and how should we respond when someone gives that accusation? Well, I, I mean, I think the obvious question looking back is that so if, if your suggestion is that if, if somebody has an ailment or somebody has a disease or something like that that hasn't been cured yet, and that 
the, the only solution that you can come up with is, well, the government has to take over that particular industry. Well, then I, I guess the logical conclusion is, is that if anybody's hungry, it's because the government hasn't taken over farming and grocery stores. If anybody can't read, it's because the government hasn't completely taken over every aspect of education. If anybody doesn't have a car, it's because the government hasn't taken over car manufacturing. If somebody doesn't have a phone or ability to communicate, it's because the government hasn't taken over smartphone development and distribution. Like we, we can carry that logic out to just about anything if that's what you really want. But then the problem is going to be that I can come back and look at you and be like, okay, in these where the government has taken over those things is, is there's no such thing as ailments anymore do, do people um, has disease been eradicated in those in those places with universal health care does, does nobody dies of cancer anymore nobody has um you know cataracts anymore nobody has it, it's so absurd on its face because all you have to do is look back at that person and say okay great so then all i have to do is find one society that is has implemented the sort of policies that you want and all i have to do is find a sick person there in order to demonstrate that your solution wouldn't work and so now what you're actually doing is trying to manipulate me in favor of a policy where the government gets control over an aspect of my life to such a degree to where, as you saw what happened in the UK, if I want to fly to another country to give my child a chance at life and the doctors in the UK say I'm not allowed to, then I have to watch my child die. Yep. That's what you're telling me would be a better solution to this? So it, it's, it, it's absurd as soon as you actually provide either you know, other examples of other industries or you just point to the countries that have actually implemented the policies he's talking about and demonstrate how it doesn't produce the results. So is he ignorant? Is he stupid? Is he manipulative? Is he just trying to get power? Like, what is it? Because anybody that's done five seconds worth of research knows that that doesn't explain the problem or the best way to solve it. Well, Nick, I know we, I know you have to jump here uh, to get to another meeting, but thank you for joining us today. Um, I want to propose this idea, um, and I wish Nick could stay on for us, and I hope we at some point we'll get to have a whole other episode on this, but I'm a firm believer that entrepreneurs are in the best position to make cultural change in society. And I think that Mr. Beast is a perfect example of that. And so, Christian, you and I discussed this a little bit earlier. But, Luke, I want to ask you a couple questions because you are not only a Mr. Beast fan but are here wearing a Mr. Beast hoodie. And if you watched the Squid Games rendition of uh, Mr. Beast redo of Squid Games, you'll recognize the font and everything. But where did you first learn about Mr. Beast? Um, I had some friends who uh, watched some of his older videos but the one that really drawed me towards it was the Orbeez, where he he basically filled his I think he his brother's backyard with like ten million Orbeez or something. Like his oh, pool it was a lot. Or something? I remember yeah. that video too. That was around the time that I found him as well. Yeah, that was about that's like a four year old. I forgot video. that was the same guy because he's doing such a totally different gig now. Well, no, he was still doing like some of the same things, but he's also doing like more with. Um, like helping people as well now. Philanthropy. Yes. Very cool. Well, he has a couple of different channels on YouTube, Mr. Beast, Mr. Beast Philanthropy, all of that. Um, but Christian, why don't you start this conversation off? Because we were talking about how Mr. Beast is in such a position that he has refined his business to the point where his videos about helping people are making enough money to make more videos about helping people. And it, it's, it's so it, the, what it really is is what we as conservatives try to talk about all the time when when we get upset at the government saying they're going to do x and then failing to deliver on x over and over again and then we say that's the um 
you know, purview of the individual. That is is the responsibility of, of us living within society is to help each other and achieve things. A good example, a really good example I'd like to point to is environmental causes. The yes. left uses the the you know, catastrophe that they claim is going is gonna to be, you know, hitting us imminently with climate change and other environmental issues to justify massively expanding government power and force over people and, and taking a larger share of, of people's wealth. And they use greenness, so to speak. Um, they, they use green causes in order to impose a red ideology is the best way that I can describe it. Uh-huh. But when you actually look at who are the biggest polluters in world history, I mean, it's governments themselves. We did a why minute on this about the yeah. RLC. I'm going to yep. keep bringing that up um, because the largest polluters in the world are those that don't practice capitalism. Rich societies are more likely to protect the environment than poor societies. There's a quote. I I want to say it might have come from Thomas Sowell, but there, there was there was a conservative philosopher who once said, if I was a poor Brazilian farmer, I would cut down the rainforest, too. Um, as long as it meant that I could feed my own family. When you're in a wealthy society that becomes wealthy because of capitalism, that's another thing too that the left forgets, is is how does wealth come about? They somehow think it just pops into existence. It isn't. The default state is poverty. In wealthy societies, you're more likely to take care of the environment. And he's a really good example because two of the things that Mr. Beast has done in the last couple years, he he helped sponsor what was called Team Trees and then Team, Team Seeds, yep. where the first one was he planted, I think it was like a million trees. I actually donated to that cause. Really? And I would never give money to the EPA, but I was <laughs> willing to give money to him because he was actually showing how how your your donation was actually going to make a positive impact. And then he also put one out. This was actually with Mark Rober, the, the Team Seas, where where they, they built this um, machine that was able to collect trash in rivers. And they pointed out that the vast majority of, of like waste that goes into the ocean, especially plastic waste, comes from just a handful of rivers around the world. So they were setting up these machines that were going to be basically clean sweeping these rivers and in places around the world that has a tremendous amount of pollution in order to prevent that from going into the ocean. And he, he raised millions of dollars for those two charities for explicitly environmental causes. There's, that is a clear example of how he's doing something that the left will tell you the only people that could touch, that could help protect the environment is the EPA. I'm old enough to remember the EPA mismanaged a um, closed down mine in Colorado and they accidentally spilled a bunch of toxins into the river to the point that it turned yellow. So um, without the EPA, who will poison our rivers? But like, <laughs> I, I want to end with this. There's a quote from Frederick Bastiat that really illustrates why somebody like Mr. Beast is such a threat to the left. Because he is showing people that you don't need the state in order to make a positive impact on the world. You, you can be a free individual who makes a ton of money because people willingly give you their time and attention rather than you confiscating it from them. And then you take that those proceeds and you make a positive impact on the world. And the left likes to tell people that the only way that you can make an impact is through the state. And he is disproving that. He's doing more yes. to advance conservative causes than he ever could if he ran for office himself. Bastiat says this, socialism, like the ancient ideas from which it springs, confuses the distinction between government and society. As a result of this, every time we object to a thing being done by government, the socialists conclude that we object to it being done at all. We disapprove of state education. Then the socialists say that we are opposed to any education. We object to a state religion. Then the socialists say that we want no religion at all. We object to a state-enforced equality. That's something that Nick brought up. 
Then they say that we are against equality, and so on and so on. It is as if the socialists were to accuse us of not wanting persons to eat because we do not want the state to raise grain. I do not dispute their right to invent social combinations, to advertise them, to advocate them, and to try it upon themselves at their own expense and risk. But I do dispute the right to impose these plans upon us by law, by force, and to compel us to pay for them with our taxes. That is awesome. I can't believe that is so deep and so perfectly in tune with what we're talking about today. It's amazing that he was able to predict that this would still be the case however many years after he said that. I wanted to touch on the point, and then I'm probably going to have to bounce. Thank you guys for having me. I wanted to mention how absolutely positive it is that people like Mr. Beast are taking these steps. Because I was saying when he said that about Twitter disparaging him for doing these positive things that I hoped this was his red pill. But another thing that I really hope is that people watching him do these great things are also going to be red pilled and start to think along the lines of, Maybe we don't need the state to do all of this stuff for us. Maybe it's more direct to just be able to go to the doctor, pay with cash, have them tell you the, for example, the prices that they require, not have to go through insurance because it's true that the whole American healthcare system is a huge mess. I don't think that anyone can contest that. The fact is that conservatives have a completely different approach to fixing it yeah. than leftists. But I think that you could have such a great conversation with somebody about the Mr. Beast story because he is doing such a positive thing in such a positive way. You can look at the way that capitalism takes human nature and motivates people to use it for good. Oh, you want to earn money? It's going to be in your interest then to create a, a product that benefits others. And you want to stay in business, then you're going to need to stand by your word. You're going to need to kind of not weaponize, but fully functionally use your desire for money to turn the world into a better place, which is something that I think the left can't see. They're so incredibly negative. Yeah. So I just want to wrap my part of this on a positive note and say that I just hope that all of this Mr. B stuff helps build the conversation about what exactly an entrepreneur can do to help solve some of the problems that we see in the world today that were actually caused by the government. Yeah. And like Frederick Bastiat is saying, they assume that if we don't want to use the government to do it, we don't want to use it at all. But we know that's not the case because we're more nuanced thinkers. I'm just hoping it starts conversations and makes more people think. And if that's all that comes out of this, I'm happy. I, wa I want to give a quick plug for Lydia. We got started late today so that Nick could join us. And Lydia, you stream every weeknight at 6 p.m. on YouTube. Is that correct? That is correct. I am at Sarah Patch Lids on YouTube. I'm doing a live stream tonight about the State of the Union. So that's going to really? be a totally different topic than we're talking Maybe about Maybe we now. will so discuss that on Thursday. I don't yeah, know. I'm looking forward to that. Well, Lydia, thank you for joining us. I, I want, I've got to make one quick point, and then Tina, I know you're going to have some thoughts on this, and then we can wrap up. Um, Nina Turner and the people on the left would rather see the government take care of the individuals in society that need to be taken care of and give that responsibility to, as, as Thomas Sowell says, to people who bear no responsibility for being wrong. And what Mr. Beast has done 
is not only has he figured out a way to help people while bringing in revenue at the same time, but as Christian said, as Lydia said, he's inspired hundreds of thousands of people to participate in these activities of Team C's, Team Trees, C International, the organization he was working with this working with in this video. Um, he's he's reminded us that we in our own capacity, can serve other people. And I think one of the most terrible things that that has happened is that when the government started initiating welfare, the church took a step back. Yep. Because somebody else was taking care of it. And I don't see any scenario where the government takes care of everyone in every capacity and we as people become better people because the act of serving someone else makes you a better person not just in your actions but in your in who you are in being able to serve someone else christian tina i know you have some quality I, thoughts on uh, this. i just wanted to point out that that you know it just remains true that the private sector is always better suited always better suited to meet these needs because they have more adaptability they can change they, there's more flexibility to change on the fly um, and it's just a more direct way to help people. I mean, I, I use this little analogy sometimes, um, and it's just really basic. Let's say my neighbor is ill and I need to, somebody needs to feed them because they can no longer work. And so I decide, well, I have extra lasagna. You know, I made two pans of lasagna instead of one. I'm going to bring one of my pans to lasagna of lasagna to them. Well, using the government basically is, okay, here's your pan of lasagna, give it to the government. This guy's going to take a section, one fourth of it for him and his family. And then uh, he's going to deliver it to this next person who's going to take another fourth of it for him and his family. And it, it goes like that until about an eighth of it, which is actually very generous because with government, it's a lot less, but about an eighth of this lasagna actually makes it to my neighbor to feed them. And, and it didn't really do as much good as I really wanted it to do. Um, government is not the most efficient mechanism to help people. And we see this over and over again. Uh, I mean, Nick even uses, uh, points out flight as, you know, the government was going to spend all of this money or spent all of this money with these experts to uh, figure out some kind of a flying machine. And it was such an abysmal failure that they said, well, we will never fly. Like it'll be at least a hundred years. And, and how long Christian was it afterwards? That oh, it was like weeks later that, that, you know, the Wright brothers were able to actually take flight and private in sector. That's because the government doesn't have the incentive to do it well. And uh, they're not the ones that are going to crash and burn. They, they can always hide under something or under somebody else. But if you're the one putting yourself on the line to try to make this happen for people, um, a more re direct result is always going to be better. I mean, there was another situation, um, you, where, you know that the, the modern equivalent of the Wright brothers is the um, quote unquote rivalry between SpaceX and NASA. Well, yeah, which we also did a Y minute on. <laughs> but but I was going to even say when COVID hit and they were having big issues with getting everybody tested and getting the little boosters and all of this stuff, and they had all these drive through situations, the government was botching it up. They had lines upon lines upon lines. You know who they finally consulted to help them figure out their line problem? Chick fil A. Chick fil A. Yeah. Private sector, you guys. Private sector. All right, Luke, I have one last question to close us out here. 
Do you think Mr. Beast is a positive influence on society? Definitely. I would 100% agree with that. Well, anyway, thank you again for joining us on this episode of Making the Argument. This was a really cool episode. I hope you all enjoyed it. If you made it to the end, thank you. Uh, if you're in our community chat and volley, I hope you will go there and let us know what your thoughts are on this subject. But we will see you again on Thursday for another episode. And thank you again for joining us. Once again, thank you very much for listening. If you want to support the show, again, one of the best ways you can do it is by heading over to goodranchers.com with promo code Nick. You're going to get $15 off. You sign up for one of those subscriptions and you're going to get up to $480 of free meat with that subscription. You get to pick top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, bacon. It is all up to you. Plus, if you're looking for gifts to get for the people that are impossible to shop for, goodranchers.com also has gift boxes. You need to act quick. This is part of their overall Black Friday special. So head on over to goodranchers.com, use promo code Nick. And once again, thank you for listening.